0: Hey, The One Recipe is on a brief hiatus, so in the meantime, we're revisiting some of our favorite episodes from the archive. Have a listen.
1: Hi, my name's Steven Satterfield. I'm the founder of Whetstone Media and host of Netflix's High on the Hog. When I was a kid, I once met Muhammad Ali in the lobby of a hotel with my parents who encouraged me to go get his autograph on a napkin that my mother later threw away, never to be seen again.
0: Hey, everyone. I'm Jesse Sparks, and this is the One Recipe Podcast. All about the one recipe that industry experts and home cooks rely on, time and time again. Okay, break out the toasters, blast your ovens, because we're talking hot takes with Steven Satterfield. Steven is the founder of Whetstone Magazine and the Whetstone Radio Collective. He's also the host of the Peabody Award-nominated Netflix show, High on the Hog. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. It's a pleasure. So, Stephen, most people probably recognize you from hosting High on the Hog, um, but something most people probably don't know is that you're also a
1: master sommelier. Is there an area of the world whose wine really speaks to you? Well, first, just to be clear, I don't have the distinction of the capital M in front as an honorarium, but I did... Begin began wine studies as a really young person at the age of 19 and passed two levels of my sommelier certification by my 21st birthday. And so, yeah, my career in the world of hospitality began in the wine business a long time ago, 2004.
0: Okay, so just to do the math on that real quickly, that meant that you were taking the classes, you know, studying all of the wine terminology, having all of these very extensive conversations, getting really into the nitty gritty, and you weren't even of drinking age yet? Yes,
1: that is correct. (laughs) The way that it started is um, I went to culinary school thinking that I wanted to be a chef, quickly realizing that what I really loved to do was cook for myself (laughs) and not (laughs) as a vocation. So I stuck with culinary school, but I, I ended up enrolling in a hospitality and restaurant management class. And that was a really formative experience for me. I ended up basically learning about wine as part of the curriculum. So No one really questioned my age. And by the time I was about to graduate from school, you know, I had been studying wine for almost two years and totally fallen in love with it and got my first real job after culinary school as a sommelier at a very small and sort of iconic restaurant in Portland that is no longer with us, but was really important at the time called Genoa. That's amazing. So what regions do you typically gravitate towards? So my regions are varied. I would say Beaujolais is an area of the world I love. Mm. I love light-bodied red wines that I can drink with a slight chill. That whole region pretty much covers it. Just north of there, I love Burgundy as any proper wine lover. And even further north, I love Champagne. So, yeah, big on French wines from other regions of the world, Oregon, uh, the aforementioned, the place where I learned about wine and cut my teeth. The Willamette Valley is one of my favorite places on earth for wine, too. Amazing. And I love how
0: just like casually you make it all sound. You're just like, oh, yeah, of course. My favorite wines with a slight chill at a dinner party where I have cooked for myself and my loved ones.
1: That's the effortless energy we need. (laughs) You know, I think that um, specificity is really important. It's useful in almost every context, but especially when it comes to pleasure, you know, we're all different. And um, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I love about myself is that I really know what I like and I love indulgence. And it's a great combination, you know, because I know how to scratch my own itches.
0: The man, the myth, the legend already. So on that note, now that we're, you know, centering pleasure, centering the things that make us smile, what is your one recipe?
1: Okay, my one recipe is for toast. And um, Okay. That's right. I'm talking about a slice of bread. Okay? (laughs) To be
0: clear. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm fully in. I trust you 100%.
1: And to be even more clear, I'm not talking about baking bread. I'm just talking about a slice of, of bread that is transformed into something delicious. So basically, I was thinking about one recipe in the context of one recipe that has served me most and best over the course of my life. And um, even though I was really interested in food at a very early stage in life and exposed to a lot of really fine and beautiful food, there were financial sacrifices that were made to be a part of the industry that I loved. In other words, once we left those fancy restaurants and kitchens, the way that we ate at home was often more humble. And you just get sick of cooking for yourself, actually after, you know, being around food in a work context. And so because of of that combination, right, not a lot of money and not a ton of motivation to cook after working in kitchens, I really loved going to the, the farmers market on the weekends. Portland actually has one of the best farmers markets in the country at Portland State University. and. I would really use it as an opportunity not only to indulge and build community and taste a lot of different things, but inevitably I would find that after returning home from the market and you assemble the bounty of all of the beautiful things that you've bought, it's almost like too pretty to touch, right? But then I still (laughs) want to eat something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and so for me, like it was always cutting a loaf of bread that I had gotten from the market. And then I could build anything sweet or savory on top of the toast. And so I'm going to give you some examples and then I'll tell you how to make it. So for instance, bring it on, bring it on. I would like get a piece of rye and then, you know, toast it on the griddle or the cast iron skillet, and then put like chev on top of that, and then maybe some herbs as a snack. Or in the summer, I might do the same thing, but perhaps with like a ricotta and peaches and honey and sea salt, right? Mm -hmm. And so with toast, what you're really looking at is a canvas that is really economical in time and money. And in creativity, too, right? Like, you get bored of the same stuff. And so when you need to raid your fridge, when you're running out of food, or when you have a bounty of food that's too beautiful to eat, toast is the way to go. So I don't do toast in the toaster or in the oven or anything like that. I do it actually on the the stovetop. Okay. So maybe this is like griddled toast if you like but basically i start off on low to medium heat cast iron skillet and a combination of oil olive oil and butter a pretty modest amount right in the center i like the combination and flavor and i also like what it does for the pacing of the melting if you are like me and you live a life where you have cultured butter on your countertop at room temperature, then you actually can just forego the butter and smear it on the bread directly if you're living that life. Okay? Many aren't, so that's why I put this little (laughs) qualifier. So so then basically what you're going to do is toast the bread. And the key here is to Again, low to medium heat, you don't want so much oil that the bread will be soggy and greasy after the fact. What you're looking for is just a base layer, a single layer of paint almost on this piece of bread to just develop the crust that has this delicious fat. Right. So I like to um, cut a reasonably thick slice, maybe the width of my pinky finger or maybe two fingers if it's really nice bread. And then maybe I don't know, two, three minutes. Right. Walk away. You like don't look at it. You'll probably be tempted to start messing with it. And there's no need to mess with it because you need to develop the crust. Can you please not attack me? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just right. trying to, again, just trying to help people. <laughs> so yeah, then after after that, um, same thing, other side. Now, again, both sides need to be covered in fat. So either you will need to reapply on that second side or you will need to do the same oil and butter configuration in the pan. Same thing, two minutes and then... At that point, I like to get a plate, a napkin, and lightly pat both sides of the toast so that all of the sort of oil can situate itself. And then you're you're ready for a canvas, actually, of, of whatever you desire. You could do a sort of open-face grilled cheese, actually, if you didn't want to take it out of the pan. But after that second side was hot, Right. You could flip it again. And so you have the, the hot sear of the pan. It's got the top of the bread hot still. And then I would put cheddar cheese, you know, maybe a, a white cheddar from Vermont or something like that. Or or England, if you're in Europe and you're listening to this. And you can watch that melt. Another tip or trick that you might consider is to put something on the toast that has a little bit of weight. To it as well. So perhaps you have a, a flat cast iron lid um, to apply. Think of making a panini or a cubano sandwich. That's really going to help you develop that crust as well. So I like to apply the pressure.
0: It's so amazing because so many people think of toast as a dead end, right? It's like what you do when you're out of options or what you do when there's nothing left. And instead, I, I just love the consideration of toast as a beginning and as a way to get into whatever it is you have in your pantry or just at hand in the moment. So I think that that's perfect.
1: Yes, toast is a, is a beginning, not an end. I like that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for
0: coming on, Stephen. I really appreciated it. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Stephen Satterfield is the founder of Whetstone Magazine and Whetstone Radio Collective. He's the host of Netflix's High on the Hog and the author of the forthcoming book, Black Terroirs. You can find the recipe for Stevens' Takes on Toast over on Instagram at the.one.recipe and at theonerecipe.org. This week's episode was made for you by producer Erica Romero, associate producer Ren Farrell, technical director Johnny Vince Evans, and digital producer James Napoli. Sally Swift is our managing producer. APM Studios executives in charge are Alex Schaffer and Joanne Griffith. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The one recipe was created by Sally Swift and Erica Romero. I'm Jesse Sparks, and this is APM Studios. Crank your ovens and go make some magic this week.